From the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I am your host, Jake Skorheim. We are settling into the third hour of the show. This is where we can really hang out and have fun because all of my bosses have gone to sleep and now it's just us hanging out. Hope you guys are having a wonderful night. I hope whatever you're doing that you are enjoying yourself. And today was a great success. And now it's behind you and I'm sure you're just looking at it going, I just knocked it out of the park today. So good job, guys. And I'm in the middle of knocking it out of the park right now because this has been a great show and I really appreciate you guys listening. I sincerely do. I hope you guys are getting uh, uh, on all of our different social sites and hanging out with us. We post lots of videos and dumb things. And if you want to hear me singing, which I know you don't, nobody's asked for that. But if you want to hear me singing, you can check it out on the Instagram page at Jake Scorheim number one, or the uh, Twitter page, at Jake Scorheim, or Kyra Knight's Facebook page. Check it out there, and we can just be the best of friends. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Yes. All right, let's get right to it. I want to start with a story that I found. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, and it's a very interesting story, because I find it interesting that something, it, well, I, I shouldn't find it interesting, that House legislators could be so dumb, but... This is something that the House has decided to pass. They have passed a bill Wednesday that affects a practice that has been done by generations of Washingtonians. And you guys might do this with your families. This might be something that you guys are really into. And uh, for some reason, they've decided to pass a bill that would make it more expensive for you to do this. Dum, 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 dum. Have you guys ever heard of smelt dipping? It's a funny it's a funny word, smelt dipping. I'd never heard of it. But the House just passed a bill. It would, it's not a bill yet. It's not a law yet. It would go into it would go to the Senate next, and they'd have to pass it too. So who knows what's going to happen? But the House has just passed a bill that would require a license to smelt dip. Now, smelt is a very small fish. Think of a sardine, but maybe just like a little bit bigger. It's like four or five inches long. And right now in Washington. Smelt dipping is something that people go out and they do with a net. You don't fish for fish that size. Uh, I'm sorry, you don't like uh, traditionally fish with a pole and a rod and a reel. So you take these nets and you put a little bit of bait into it. And you then hold this really long net out in this area where smelts swim up the rivers, like in the Columbia and things, and places like that. And families go out there. They've been doing it forever. And it doesn't cost you anything. At least it did not cost you anything. You could go out there, grandma and grandpa, with the grandkids, and they could go out there and they could catch these smelt. And right now, what they do is they say, hey, anybody can fish for this uh, as long as you're not doing it commercially. Anybody can go out recreationally and fish for smelt. You can get up to 10 pounds per person per season, which is... You know, these are tiny, tiny fish, so that's actually quite a bit of fish. And go off and have a fun time. That's what you can do currently. Now, if lawmakers get their wish, they want to actually charge you $12 per person for a smelt fishing license, which to me is ridiculous. And here's another reason it's ridiculous. Do you know how long the smelt fishing season is in Washington State? Take a guess. I'll wait. You're wrong. No. Uh, It is five hours. Sometimes it depends on the length of the season, but sometimes it's just for five hours, one day, a couple of days ahead of time, the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife will reach out to you if you are part of this thing. And they will say if, if you're on some list and they will say, hey, by the way, there's a, 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 fel, a smelt fish or they would just make it known. You're probably on some uh, website checking these things. The Department of Fish and Wildlife will say, hey, there is a smelt fishing season, which will then start in two days between such and such a time. Go off and have fun. And people will go and they'll do it for five hours. And you might, like, if you can get 10 pounds in five hours, God bless you. Good job. But they're trying to make it 
$12 per person because they want your money. The Department of Fish and Wildlife say that they need this money so they can go after people who are legally overfishing smelt. But to me, this just sounds ridiculous. And I hope they don't pass this because it sounds like, like for me and my family, I'd never heard of this, but it sounds like a fun thing that we might actually go and try. We might actually have success fishing if this worked because we can't catch anything fishing. We've tried many, many times. We just are not people who successfully fish. If we can just dip a net and catch a bunch of tiny fish, for my kids, that's just as good. And they would love that. And then we'd build up like a family generational thing that we'd all have, all have fun doing. And it would be a blast. But if I have to charge tw- pay $12 per person to do that, I promise you we're not going to go smell fishing because it's not worth it. We're not going to do it. So I hope this doesn't pass. You guys let me know if you think this is a good idea. 888-97-3-5476. Are you going to pay 12 bucks to go and fish for four-inch fish? For five hours on one day? I don't know. Doesn't sound too great to me. All right, let's move on. Do you guys remember who, you guys remember a guy by the name of, well, it's not a guy. It was a pseudonym. But do you remember Deep Throat? No, no, no. It's not the not the dirty movie. Perverts. Sinner. I'm talking about the pseudonym for the guy in the Watergate scandal. Do you guys remember the movie All the President's Men? There was a character who always was in a parking garage, and every time they walk, every time Robert Redford walked in there, his shoes would kind of make noise. And I always thought that was, you know, very cool, and it seemed very, very, uh, very uh, secret agent-ish. And apparently, that was just a pseudonym for a guy who was feeding information to the Washington Post to help uh, them broaden their horizons as they filled out the story for what would eventually you know, become the breaking story of the Watergate scandal with the inside the Richard Nixon office. Here is a little clip from that movie. I need to know what you know. It involves the entire U.S. intelligence community, FBI, CIA, justice. It's incredible cover-up had little to do with Watergate. It was mainly to protect the covert operations. It leads everywhere. Get out your notebook. There's more. Your lives are in danger. So here's why we're playing this clip. Does Boeing have its own deep throat? This story's on MyNorthwest.com. You guys can check it out there. Apparently, there's an anonymous whistleblower, and they are talking about problems that Boeing is having at their rent and assembly line. This is from uh, MyNorthwest.com. Boeing may be at fault for a fuselage a fuselage panel that blew off of an Alaska jet earlier this month. Of course, we all remember that one. That was crazy. 16,000 feet. This plane is flying around, and all of a sudden, boom, the door flies off at 16,000 feet. We all saw TikTok videos, and we all saw footage from inside the plane. Luckily, fortunately, that 737 MAX plane was able to land successfully, made an emergency landing. It landed. Then everybody got off the plane, and they were scared that their lives were going to be over, but thankfully they weren't. Nobody was injured. Mentally, there might be some injuries. So there's some lawsuits out there right now against Boeing, against Alaska Airlines, from some of the passengers on those on that flight. And I think they have a pretty good case, because if I was on that flight, there's no way that I would ever get on a plane again for the rest of my life. But... Here's, here's what's going on right now with this Boeing whistleblower. In an exclusive report by Dominic Gates, a Pulitzer Prize-winning aerospace journalist for The Times, the panel in question may have been reinstalled improperly by Boeing mechanics on the Renton assembly line. This is apparently, there's this whistleblower, this anonymous source, who is talking to the Seattle Times. So the National Transportation Safety Board is investigating the incident, but if the allegations are true, 
Boeing would be primarily at fault for the accident. At initial thoughts were that Spirit Aerosystems, were origi- who originally installed the panel, would be the logical culprit, according to the article. That panel, a door plug, used a seal to hole in the fuselage, sometimes used to accommodate an emergency exit, blew out of an Alaska Airlines flight 1282. That's the flight we were just talking about. Um, the anonymous whistleblower, who appears to have access to Boeing's manufacturing records of the work done assembling the specific Alaska Airlines jet that suffered the blowout, on an aviation website separately provided many additional details about how the door plug came to be removed and then misinstalled. So this is a crazy story. There's a lot of moving parts to this. I'm actually going to talk to Heather Bosch in just a little bit so you guys can get it right from Heather Bosch. This is very interesting. And, you know, I'm very interested in whistleblowers. I'm very interested in deep throats, uh, the political kind, not the pervy kind. And so this is a story that we're going to keep on. So stick around. We're going to have Heather Bosch on in just a little bit to talk about that one. All right. Here's another story that caught my eye. This was interesting to me. This is why I don't take public transit if I can avoid it at all. And let's get a little update on public transit. But This is one's not in Seattle. This is not in Washington. This is in the Twin Cities. This was crazy. I saw this. The Twin Cities Metro Transit has put up, apparently, there have been enough incidents with bad behavior and very bad things happening on the Twin Cities Metro Transit system that they have now started installing signs outside of their stations, detailing for their riders all of the things that you are allowed to do on a one of their trains or buses and all these different things. And all the things you're also not allowed to do, just in case you don't know. Now, look at this. I'm a pretty normal person, so I don't think I would need any of these like warnings before I rode on any public transit. But some people might need them. So I thought it would be fun for you and I to read them together and see which one see which one might apply to you. I don't I I'm guessing if you're listening to the show that none of these are going to apply to you. All right, so these signs are again posted in bright yellow outside of the Twin Cities Metro Transit stations. Um, it's it begins as this. You your role as a rider is letting people know what their role as a rider is. Transit vehicles and facilities are shared spaces and come with shared responsibilities. Your role as a rider applies anytime you use the transit system and ensures a clean, safe experience for all. Okay, so here's what's required if you want to ride on these uh, trains. Number one, pay your fare. Pay as you get on the bus or be prepared to show proof of having paid the correct fare on a metro line. If you don't, you risk being issued a citation. Uh, Here's another one. Wear shirts, bottoms, and shoes. So apparently there's people who are riding around with no clothes. Uh, This one seems obvious to me. I don't feel like this one needs to be spelled out. But, you know, we're kind of in an age now where you sometimes need to spell out common sense. So just like in stores and other businesses, customers without proper attire will be refused service. I think that's a good policy. One fare equals one seat. Your bag belongs on your lap, not taking up the seat next to you. That's a good one. Drinks must be covered. You're welcome to bring your morning coffee with you. Just make sure it's in a container and sealed. That one seems like a little bit of an overreach, but whatever. Um, Animals must be kept in a carrier. That's a good one. And now it starts getting into the level, uh, I think, that caught the attention of the folks that started uh, putting this up online. Illegal activity that they do not allow. Again, it's illegal activity. They don't allow these on the Metro line, and they felt the need to write these ones down so that you would not do them if you are a rider on the Twin Cities Metro line. Violators can be removed from transit property. Actions may result in added penalties if you do any of these illegal activities. 
interfering with the operator movement of vehicle. Do not bother to the operator or hold up vehicles. This one seems very common sense and you shouldn't do any of those things. They're trying to get you to your destination. They remind the customers. This includes holding doors open on trains. Number two, vandalizing or littering. Respect your bus stop, station, bus, or train by putting your garbage in appropriate containers. That one's obvious. Disorderly conduct, such as smoking, vaping, illegal drug use. It's illegal and simply not allowed. They remind the customers, on board or at stops and stations, including e-cigarettes, if you must smoke, leave the shelter or bus or platform area. Okay, here's another one. This is where it starts getting a little bit dicey. Threatening or spitting on others. Don't threaten or spit on other people. That one seems really simple. This applies to your behavior with transit personnel as well as with fellow riders. Okay, so that makes sense. They're saying, hey, somebody might think, all right, I'm not supposed to spit on fellow riders, but can I spit on transit personnel? No, is the answer to that one. You cannot. Drinking alcohol. Okay, that one makes sense. Don't do that. Pooping or peeing. Again, this is all on a on a giant uh, posted sign in metal outside of these stations so that anybody who's about to get on one of these buses or trains in the Twin Cities area knows that you are not allowed to do any of these things. Pooping or peeing. Transit property is not a public restroom. Sexual assault is not allowed. Sexual contact without consent is forbidden. I would think that any sexual con- uh, cons- uh, contact on these trains, even if it is consensual, probably is not a good idea. They didn't. They don't specify that, but let's see. Um, uh, walking on tracks, trespassing. Obviously, you don't want to get hit by one of these buses or trains. Don't do that. Here's what's definitely not allowed, and this is in all caps. Um, sexual or discriminatory harassment. Do not discriminate against anyone on these. Like, don't poop or pee or anything, but do not discriminate against anyone sexually or any other kind of discriminations. Don't harass anyone while waiting or riding the transit. Uh, phone calls or music played on speaker. I don't feel personally like a phone call or music played on speaker is the same level as sexual or discriminatory harassment. I don't even feel like it's the same as pooping or peeing. So I would put that like in a much easier category that just people can read about. But that's under the not allowed section, which is in all caps again. Soliciting, gambling, panhandling, or loitering. No gambling on these trains. Flammable or other hazardous items. Again, according to Metro Transit uh, in the Twin Cities, they prohibit flammable or explosive materials on their uh, trains. I think that's a good one. This includes don't bring gas-powered scooters. This is all written down, by the way, on this sign. Do not bring gas-powered scooters, cars, or motorcycle batteries and gasoline slash fuel containers with you on the trains. People need to know this, folks. Um, do you guys ride public transit? Is this a problem? I, I just don't ride it. This is not something that I'm regularly doing. I have kids, so it's very inconvenient for me to think about riding on the on public transit with my kids. I don't want them exposed to the kinds of things that we're seeing on public transit. Apparently, Everywhere, not just in Washington. This is in the Twin Cities, uh, which is you know way out of our state. But um, these are these are uh, a list of things uh, in the Twin Cities that they're telling people they can't do. Vulgar language is also not uh, inc- uh, encouraged on these trains, so don't do that either. This is why I don't ride it. But if you do ride public transit, are you guys seeing this kind of stuff? If you are, I would be very interested. Triple eight ninety seven three five four seven six. If you can manage to get a picture, not the the ones I don't want to see. I don't want to see anyone like bathroom stuff. Don't me send send me any of that kind of stuff. If somebody has a gas powered scooter on public transit, that one I'm actually interested in seeing. So please let me know. That one is is kind of funny to me. All right. Speaking of funny, 
I got to get to this really fast because I found this story to be delightful. I thought this was a very good story. There's an actor whose name is Tom Hollander. I don't know if you guys know who he is. He was in Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Uh, just recently, he was in a show called White Lotus, which is a oddly phenomenal show. I don't, even, I can't even really describe what it's about, but it's just a really good show. He's on the second season. Um, he's an English actor. His name is Tom Hollander, but he sounds a lot. Doesn't look anything like, and he's way, way, way older. But it sounds a lot like the famous action movie star actor who's young, whose name is Tom Holland, also an Englishman. So he tells this funny story about being mistaken for Tom Holland. I'm going to play it for you here because it's really funny and I hope you enjoy it. I have to ask you, uh, I feel like it's almost the elephant in the room. This is Tom Hollander talking to uh, Seth Meyers on the late night with Seth Meyers show about being mistaken for Tom Holland, but not in person. Uh, He's talking about when somebody sent him a check accidentally that was a check for Tom Holland. Uh, There's an actor named Tom Holland. Oh, yeah. Does that ever, do people ever um, make that error? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it's been very difficult. Because, you know, I was here first. Yeah. Um, But uh, he's he's enormously famous. So I, I, uh, it might, it obviously, I don't actually get mistaken for him, but, but... In, in non-visual uh, context, I am mistaken for him all the time. So, like, people in the accounts department of my agency got confused. And we were with the same agency, um, briefly. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it, was, it was a terrible moment. I, I went to see my friend who was doing theatre in England and, uh, and for 300 pounds a week, you know, and, uh, but doing great work, Chekhov. And I sat smugly in the audience having just done a BBC show for 30 grand or something which was you know going to get me through the next year or so and I was thinking well this is marvellous I'm very prosperous but my good friend Peter is doing this great play and I'm going to go afterwards and see him and slightly patronise him and say what how wonderful it was <laughs> and uh, and then the interval came and I thought I'd check my emails and I got an email from the agency saying um Payment advice lit, your um, first box office bonus for the Avengers. And um, and I thought... (laughs) I don't think I'm in the Avengers. And it was... um, it was an astonishing amount of money. And it was, it was not his salary. It was, it was his first box office bonus. <laughs> not the whole box office, the first one. And it was more money than I've ever... It was, it was a seven-figure sum. Yeah. And they he had was, to send it in two, me, two emails. He was, he, was, he was 20 or something. So my feeling of smugness that you remember I had in the first half disappeared very quickly. But that's showbiz. It's uh, <laughs> it's up, it's down, it's hero, it's zero. You're always yeah. one email away from having yeah, your whole life turned upside loser. down. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really funny story. Um, Tom Holland's great as Spider-Man, by the way. He's fantastic in those movies. My kids love the Spider-Man movies. They can't get enough of them. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show. Next, I'm going to talk to Heather Bosch about that secretive whistleblower, about what's going on, possibly at Boeing, if that whistleblower is correct. We're going to hear more about that when we come back here on Kyra Nights.
You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. You guys probably all remember that 737 MAX that was flying at 16,000 feet when that door piece just ripped off mid-flight. It was actually like a plug that was in the place of an emergency exit door. There are lawsuits now from the passengers who were on that flight. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. They were able to land the plane. But think about what that would do to you mentally if you were on that flight, just thinking it, it was all maybe going to end there. So those those passengers now are suing both Boeing and Alaska Airlines, and those lawsuits are going on right now. But there has recently been a development that's very interesting. Heather Bosch from Cairo News Radio joins us about a whistleblower. Tell us about this, Heather. Yeah, there was a whistleblower report this week that put the blame on Boeing for that midair emergency. That report appeared on the Lee Ham News and Analysis website. So I talked to Scott Hamilton. He's an aviation consultant with Lee Ham, and he vetted that report. And he believes that this is from a current Boeing employee. Well, it, it was incredibly detailed and uh, certainly outlined a, a detailed scenario about what happened and why it happened. The whistleblower says that four bolts which secured the door plug were not installed when Boeing delivered the plane and that Boeing's own records show that. Now, the scenario where key bolts were missing also makes sense to pilot and aviation analyst John Nance, who tells me. That has been my suspicion all along for several different reasons. This may not be just a one-off case of missing bolts. The whistleblower says there's a lack of quality control in the company. In fact, he described the 737 production system in Renton as a, quote, rambling, shambling disaster waiting to happen. Hamilton says complaints by Boeing workers about quality are not new. The union, uh, the International Association for Machinists District 751, which which does all the assembly here in uh, Puget Sound, they've been complaining about this sort of thing for years and nobody's been paying attention. Yeah, Hamilton may be right, but Boeing quality control certainly grabbed worldwide attention after a MAX jet crashed off Indonesia in 2018. Remember just months later, a second MAX jet crashed in Africa. The whistleblower Hamilton and Nance indicate Boeing began to sacrifice quality long before, though, when Boeing merged with McDonnell Douglas in August of 1997. Now, prior to that, Nance tells me. Boeing considered itself an engineering company first and a company second in terms of uh, making money. And it served them well. It didn't make as much money, perhaps, in some situations as maybe they would have liked to at the board level, but, but it was consistent. And that, I think, has been twisted around. So bottom line, Jake, critics are saying that Boeing is simply putting profits above quality and safety right now. You understand you're a corporation. you got to make money. You're a company. You have to keep your stockholders happy. You've got to generate more money so you can invest. But critics are saying that's kind of out of kilter right now. And and the company seems to need to spend more time looking at quality. In fact, today, there's a stand down at that Renton plant. No work being done. Workers are just being told to focus on quality and the control systems they have in place for that. What's really interesting about that is you have this public company and they are so they're not controlled by the government or anything, but they are making something that we all use as a necessity. It's not like they make blenders in your house and you're not you're not worrying about your your morning smoothie being, uh, you know, blended incorrectly. You're putting your life on, yeah. you know, on the line every time you get in one of these flights, and it's that's very scary. And you know, the National Transportation Safety Board said basically that the passengers that Alaska Airlines got lucky because the door plug flew out not long after takeoff. If they'd been at cat, they had been at cruising speed. Their words, it would have been catastrophic. Yeah. 
Well, and we've we've done stories like that. I mean, I've I've talked about that before. I'm trying to remember the name. He was a golfer, and his plane lost pressure at a very high altitude, at whatever the cruising altitude was, and then it turned into a ghost plane. I'm I'm, I'm bumbling Oof. on his name right now, but I think it was back in 2007 or something like that. But it was a private jet. It it uh, depressurized, and they all passed away inside and then the plane continued to fly oh the plane continued to fly for like five hours because it was on autopilot so it can be very very scary i i was reading this other story uh, the other day and this was not a boeing flight it was a it was a, a european uh manufactured plane and they were saying that they were on the uh runway ready to go and one of the passengers looks out the window and he sees on the plane a spot where there was a bunch of missing screws on the wing of something. You didn't know what it was because there's a bunch of missing screws and it looks like all the other panels have screws. This one doesn't. I don't like this trend of missing screws and missing I don't bolts. either. I don't how either. How does that happen? And again, I have no idea how it happens, but you know, these planes are flown every single day, 24 hours a day for like 40 years. So I know that they have maintenance and all that kind of stuff, but they are they are being used at all times. So like, when do they get a chance to slow down and make sure these planes are running well and are not going to have a problem? The passenger on that European plane I was just telling you about, again, not a Boeing flight, not a Boeing air, airplane. Probably an Airbus. I think it was an Airbus. Um, the uh, the passenger looked at it. He called over a uh, flight attendant. The flight attendant then comes over and he's just hoping the flight attendant says, oh yeah, that's not a Something problem. Something reassuring. Yes. The flight attendant then says, oh yeah, that we should get that checked out. So then they call maintenance, maintenance comes and checks it out, and then maintenance says, everybody has to get off the plane out of an abundance of caution. We're going to actually like put you guys on a separate wow. plane. That was just a guy looking out the wing before they took off. And, and you hope that's an exception to the rule. You and hope so. I, and I get once the plane is delivered that there are different steps and things, but in the initial assembly line things there has to be checks and balances and and, one- and there are i mean i have a lot of friends who work for boeing and i understand i know that they've been they've been very successful for a la- very long for time for very long we haven't had in in the united states we haven't had a fatal uh airliner crash since i think it was 2009 Yes, but when you've got two MAX planes crashing in 2018 and then soon after in 2019, and it's the MAX line, yes, yes, there are some issues here. And the whistleblower also said that, yes, there are checks and balances, but but cited some confusion among who's doing what and why and how. And hopefully they are sorting that all out today Ugh. because Boeing is a fantastic company. It is it, it not just important to Western Washington. It is not just important to Wichita. It's it's critical for the U.S. It's a major export to the world. To the world, it's critical Amen. to the world. Imagine so, if every Boeing flight suddenly just couldn't fly anymore. They've got to get this figured out. That can't I happen. Know, I know there are amazing people, like you said, at Boeing, engineers and machinists, and people put their heart and their soul into these airplanes. So I'm just fingers crossed that they're they're doing their due diligence and maybe there needs to be a shake up. That's one of the words coming around that maybe some people at the top need to to move out. Who knows? I'm already a nervous flyer. I'm not somebody who likes to fly. Would this make you, are you more cautious now when you think about getting on a plane? When st- I mean, how could you not be when stories like this come out? You know, I'm going to worry. But like you said, if you want to get someplace, you got to go. If yeah. I want to visit my sister in Florida, I got to get my booty on an airplane. I don't know about you, but I don't have that much time off of work to drive cross country. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> and we've all heard that stat that, that, you know, flying commercial airliners is safer than driving. Absolutely. Because One they have the such safest, a great record. Yes, and I hope that that maintains to be true for a long time. But yeah, it's very, it's, it's, 
There's no other way to get there. Find the bolts, people. Find the bolts. All right. Well, Heather Bosch, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us. Anytime, Jake. All right. We got a lot more coming up on the show, so stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cowboy Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I am your host, Jake Scoreheim. It's the final segment of the night. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us all this time. The show is three hours every night. It feels, honestly, to me, no longer than two hours and 37 minutes. But three hours goes by really fast when you're having fun. I hope you guys have been having a blast. We've been having a blast. And so I wanted to take this last segment to talk a little bit about Donald Trump. He put out a statement that I found to be, I mean, this is this is like classic Donald Trump. This is the way this guy talks. Nobody talks the way that Donald Trump talks. Nobody out there at all. He just says things that no other politician would ever say. All right, so let's start at the beginning. After New Hampshire, Nikki Haley got up on stage and she gave a speech where she basically said, I'm not done. I'm not going away. I'm going to keep running. It's me and Trump now. And let's see who makes it to the finish line. I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory tonight. He earned it, and I want to acknowledge that. Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. A lot of states left to go. All right, so here's the reason I'm talking about this. Trump put out this statement, and as you guys all know, I think politics is ridiculous. I understand the need for it. I think there are some genuine politicians out there. They're few and far between, personally. That's what I believe, and it's also the truth. Uh, There are some good ones, but they're few and far between. But, okay, so here's Trump. He puts out this statement, and it's just, I mean, nobody else talks like this guy. It is funny. He said here, um, Nikki Birdbrain Haley is very bad for the Republican Party and indeed our country, Trump said. Her false statements, derogatory comments, and humiliating public loss is demeaning to true American patriots. Her anger should be aimed at her third-rate political consultants and, more importantly, crooked Joe Biden and those that are destroying our country, not the people who will save it. I knew Nikki well. She was average at best. It is not... I is not the one to take on world leaders, and she never did. That was up to me, and that is why they respected the United States. When I ran for office and won, I noticed that the losing candidates' donors would immediately come to me and would want to help out. This is standard in politics, but no longer with me. Anybody that makes a contribution to Birdbrain from this moment forth will be permanently barred from the MAGA camp. We don't want them and will not accept them because we put America first and always will. Who talks like that i don't care what your what your political party is that is funny i mean this guy could be the next leader of the free he's already been the leader of the free world and he's just sitting there calling uh his opponent nikki haley bird brain and joe Biden. and you know this is why people kind of like trump i'm telling you it's just a, as a as a person who rides down the middle i really do i i'm not leaning one way or the other i'm a middle person and as a person who's a middle person i can tell you the reason that people are drawn to Donald Trump at times. He's a guy who doesn't sound like a politician. That's what people like. All right, so 
after I've just read that Trump statement, now gives me the opportunity to play one more clip from James Austin Johnson, who is a probably, I think, the best Trump impersonator out there. He was on Late Night with Seth Meyers, and he was talking about how when he first started doing his Trump impersonation, people weren't really laughing. Not all, at least not all the time. And he was saying like very Trumpian things and he was talking about, you know, like political issues and things like that. And he realized that the key to making people laugh, and James will, uh, you know, explain this here in the clip, is to just talk about nonsense. But if you do it in Trump's voice, then it becomes funny nonsense. And so here it is. I made him like a, uh, a guy talking about the wizard on the hill. Like I would do like a medieval Trump, like a fantasy movie Trump. Like, the, you know what? The king is doing nothing about the gigantic dragon. We've got this giant dragon that nobody's doing anything about. And you know, the guy who comes through in the morning, he does the swords and he's, he's banging the hammer. And I said, you know what? If I could just, believe me, this is true. Only I can get the amulet. Only I can get the amulet. And that wizard is, we're gonna make that wizard's head spin. When I have the enchanted sword, we're gonna plunge that enchanted sword straight into the dragon's soft underbelly. Um, and that's when I started getting the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, very, it's like, very he's nice. very, very good. There's a lot of Trump impersonators out there, but he's he's very, very funny. I like it a lot. All right, so we've had a good show tonight. I really do appreciate you guys listening. If you get a chance, if you can't listen to every minute of the show, number one, shame on you. Shame on you. You should be listening to every minute of the show. Here's the best way to do that. Download the podcast. It's really that simple. Go on to Spotify or go into Apple Podcasts. Go up to that little search bar and type in Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. By the time you get to Jake, auto population or whatever it is, it's going to fill in the blank for you. It's just going to find me. And then you guys can download the podcast, mash down the follow button. Every time you do that, I get a little ring on my phone and it feels good. I don't actually get a ring on my phone, but... I can just, I think like subconsciously, I know that you're doing it and it feels good to know that you guys are going to be listening. And then you can catch the first two hours of the show. If you're somebody who can only listen to the 9 p.m. hour because this is when you're out working, we have a lot of drivers. A lot of people who are driving for Amazon text me. A lot of people who are driving, delivering things, like a lot of people who work for Uber Eats and things like that. You guys are our crowd. So we want to say, hey, I understand that you got to be in and out of the car, in and out of the truck all the time to make it happen. I don't want you to have to sacrifice any of your work because you're trying to hang out to make sure that you catch every single second of this show. What I would like you to do is to download the podcast, then you just hit pause. Then you can pause me. That's a gift to you. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for downloading the podcast. We've had a blast tonight. I hope you've had a lot of fun listening to the show. We certainly have had a blast bringing it to you. Thank you to Matt. Thank you to Lisa. Thank you to all of our wonderful guests. And now I'm going to bed. I'm tired. We're going to come back here tomorrow and do it all again. Get ready. It's going to be a great Friday show. But for now, night-night. 